Hey, Road family. Pastor Matthew really challenged us last week to look at the realities of where we are in our spiritual walk. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to last week's message. This week, Pastor Rick takes a look at some of those specifics on where we are and gives us some encouragement by looking at some markers to work towards to grow in that spiritual walk. Take a listen and engage in the challenge. Good morning. If you are online, good morning to you. Everybody get a copy of the uh, circle. All right, good deal, good deal. So we're in a series called Are You Serious? And uh, we started the year with this. We've been talking about, first of all, what it meant to be serious about being in God's Word. We challenged everybody to be in the Bible reading plan. If you are not familiar with it or did not pick one up, they're at all the exits today. It's a little bookmark-looking thing. You can read about it online. If you have questions, also, or grab one of our ministers. Last week, Matthew told us why this is so important. Today is going to be the uh, the weightiest message of the series to me. Uh, I never get anxiety about speaking to you guys because I love you. I've been here a long time, and uh, I feel like you guys let me say about anything. Um, But because of the nature of this message and the weightiness of it, uh, this creates anxiety for me. And and, and I want to make sure it's clear. So hang with me through this. This will be the longest message I pray that I ever preach in the history of this church, uh, too. So I'm setting you up for that. Um, And then uh, we're going to talk about self-examination. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. Self-examination makes us uncomfortable. Did you look at me? We don't like looking at who we are and what we've become. So let's start with the simple stuff. Last night I got on the scale. I stripped down. I got on the scale and I went, holy cow. The second thing I did was got the tape measure out. I started measuring stuff, and I was floored with what I had become. And uh, I told my wife, this is over. This is over, right? But w- watch this. Change never happens without self-evaluation. I don't like what I see. We're going to change this. Finances, you sit down, you look at your checkbook. You don't like what you see, you make a budget. Change never happens without evaluation. Your marriage struggling, you look at each other and go, we need a date night. Change happens because of evaluation. Here's the crazy thing. The one area of our life we never, ever, ever, ever want to evaluate is our spiritual life. And man, whenever somebody talks about it, you judge, you judgmental, you judgmental. Now, that's not what it says. It said self-examination. Examine your own life. So today what we're calling our church to do is examine our own life. And I'm going to tell you now, you're going to get uncomfortable before we're done. Because we are trying to take Jesus seriously. So if you will, read with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Follow along in your Bible as I read. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, there's that word, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, here it is, we are no longer children. Right? There's a goal. There's an expectation. We are no longer children uh, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray together. Father, I... uh, 
I ask you to prepare our hearts, our minds, help us to be engaged. May the communication of truth be simple and easy to understand. And yet at the same time, Father, may we challenge people, Father, without discouraging people. Father, may we evaluate without condemning in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we're going to start by talking about the spiritual uh, life cycle, uh, that circle that we handed you when you came in the door. We'll explain it. It's way simpler than it looks. Don't let that bother you. Um, that's our plan. So let me, let me give my disclaimer. There's no perfect plan, but it's probably better than the one you got. As a matter of fact, I've never been anywhere that had a plan for discipleship. I'm just telling you that. I've pastored a long time. I've never been in any church that had a spelled out plan for discipleship. So this is what we're going with. Might it change? It might. But today, this is what we got. And this is what we're going to look at today. So why are we doing this? Because, listen to the simplicity of this. Every living thing has a life cycle. If it is alive... It has a cycle of life. It clearly passes through. Look at me. And if that life cycle is broken at any point, death happens. So let's start with simple things first. Let's talk about trees, right? So a tree starts as a seed. It goes to a sprout. Then it goes to a sapling. Then it goes to a mature adult. And then finally into decline and ultimately becomes a rotting log. Now watch this. That seed goes in the ground. Decides it doesn't want to ever go past being a sapling. Just want to be a sapling. Then plant life ceases to exist. It's gone. Because reproduction doesn't happen in the life of a sapling. Take fish, right? So a fish starts off as an egg, goes to a lard, goes to a fry, to a juvenile, a smolt, an adult, and then ultimately to a spawning fish. We had a marine biologist that sat through the first service, called one of our ministers outside and said, you need to understand that if that doesn't go all the way through, the entire ecosystem falls apart. Because so many things are dependent on that, that, that fish getting to that spawning Stage. So, so all I need you to see is if you break the cycle that was implemented by God, death always happens. Happens in the life of a child, right? You start as an embryo, go to a baby, go to a child, go to a teenager, go to a young adult, mature adult. If you don't ever get to a mature adult, you can't ever reproduce. If you don't ever reproduce, humanity ceases. Everybody on the same page with me? Okay, let's try that again. I need more than that. This, is a, this has been an interesting day. Are you on the same page with me? Are you understanding that what we're about to talk about, if those cycles aren't complete, the decline of Christianity is the result? Yes. Okay, that's where we're going. So there are, there are a couple of things in addition to that that you need to know. There's only one thing in life that doesn't ever change. His name is God. Right? And what happens so many times in, in our spiritual life is we get to the place where we, we just don't ever change. Right? Uh, for instance, uh, we were in, in staff meeting Monday, and we're going through this, and our preschool minister looks at us and says, the only thing in life that never changes is God. The immutability. Same yesterday, today, forever. That's what that means. He never changes. And if you get to the place in life where you never change spiritually, you're putting yourself in the place of God. And then Matthew sends me this video. By the way, are you on, any of you guys on Matthew's video list? Oh, you need to get on his list. He sends out some, some good videos. He sends his video. These guys, these pastors are sitting talking. And this pastor looks at another pastor and he says, If you think all you got to do is show up for worship, you think you're God. Because he's the only one that just has to show up. The only expectation of me, I just got to be there. No. 
You think you're God. Right? That there's much bigger expectation in our spiritual lives than just showing up. And then the last thing. This is all introductory. By the way, I told you this was going to get uncomfortable. It already is. It is not enough just to say you love Jesus. Right? I, I need you to hear this. The, the people are excusing all kinds of lifestyles, but I love Jesus. Or lack of pursuit of Jesus by saying, but I love Jesus. I don't have to do anything. I just have to love Jesus. I don't have to be anything. I just have to love Jesus. Hear, hear me clearly. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is what Jesus was saying in ways that we can understand. Love always has markers. And if the markers are missing, the love doesn't exist. Your love between a husband and a wife has markers. This is what it looks like to love someone. Between parents and child has markers. If the markers aren't there, the love doesn't exist. And by the way, the markers of love become the markers of maturity. Right? We, we start looking at these and we're going, oh, this is what it looks like to love Jesus. Congratulations. Now you know what it looks like to grow. And grow up in Jesus. So what we're looking at are these markers of love. These markers of maturity. And the spiritual maturity of a church determines three things that really matter. The first one, it determines the longevity of the church. I mentioned this before. What I didn't mention is this. 85% of churches in America today are either plateaued or in decline. 85% of them. Odds are you are here because you were at one of them. Most of the churches that exist have either done this or they're doing this. Four out of five of them, 85% of them. Why? Multitude of reasons. Could be they refuse to change, right? Churches are the worst places ever to refuse to change. Could be that a group of people said, it ain't going to change and I'll die fighting it. And they do. And their church with them, right? Y'all been there? You've been there? But the big reason churches die is there's no new life because the cycle broke and when there's no new life you're going to die you're going to die we quit making disciples the second thing that, that the maturity of the church determines maturity of the church determines the impact in the community the more mature we become in our walk with God the more sacrificial we live time, energy Money, we become sacrificial. The bigger the sacrifice, the bigger the impact in the community. You can see it. You can look around and see it. You can measure maturity by looking at the impact in a community. The more we sacrifice, the more we impact, the greater our maturity. And this is the one I like the most because I, I really admire this about our church. Um, the quality of a church's fellowship. Uh, if you read scripture, you find that one of the greatest indicators that people know Jesus and have matured in him is how that well they get along with others. The numbers of times that the scripture says, live at peace, be at peace, seek peace. If at all possible, live with all men peaceably, right? Over and over and over again. First Corinthians chapter three, verses one through three, Paul is writing, he goes, you guys are immature. You're living like people who don't know Jesus. And here's the marker of that. You're living with jealousy, dissension, and discord. Welcome to church life. Welcome to church life. That one of the big markers 
of maturity is living in peace. Romans 12, 18. So far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Ephesians 4, 3. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there it is. Man, a church, when the members are maturing, there's longevity. Number two, there's impact in community. Number three, there's quality of fellowship among the members. Understand these trickle down to your family. Right? That you could say the same thing about your family. Right? Quality of fellowship in the family. Impact in the community of your family. Longevity of faith in your family. All the same. Lines up with maturity. So, Hebrews 6.1 says, leave the elementary teaching about Christ. Let us press on to maturity. So how do, how do we measure this? Well, we look for those markers. And, and what are the markers of a disciple? Now, here, here, and I've had this conversation multiple times today. I, I got saved when I was 18 years old. I'd give my eye teeth right now if I had this 44 years ago. Because I'm going to tell you what my coming to Jesus looked like. My coming to Jesus looked like throwing me into the lake and saying, hope you can swim. I got this instruction, read your Bible. <laughs> and then I'd come to church and they'd go, did you read your Bible? Well, I'm scared to tell you no. So, so now watch this. I've created an environment of unrealistic expectation. And when you have unrealistic expectation, expect unreal answers. And we look at young believers just coming to meet Jesus and lay on them burdens, Jesus would say, they cannot bear and we do not bear them ourselves. It, it's upside down. But that's what my coming to Jesus looked like, man. A lot of guilt, a lot of condemnation, right? And I would have given anything if somebody said, here's your path, Rick. Here's your map. Here's your journey. Follow it. And that's what this is. Is it perfect? No. But it's better than the plan I've ever had. Matter of fact, I've never been in a church that had a plan until now. Wednesday night, this guy was in the last service. Wednesday night, I'm back at the youth. I'm coming up here to preach. And we have a retired police officer. His name is Archie. Archie's a big old boy. He asked about me. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, you know where to find me, man. He said, well, I want to talk now. All right, we're going to talk. <laughs> and he said, uh, not everybody came to Jesus as a child. A lot of people came like me. And he said, I'm going to be honest. I'm listening to the messages. I don't know what to do. He said, and this was his exact phrase to me. He said, I need a checklist. I need something that I can look at. No, I'm doing the right stuff and what I'm supposed to be doing so I can work toward it. I said, brother, hang on to Sunday. Just hang on. <laughs> because that's where we're going. It's not a checklist, but it is a guide to help us grow in our walk with Jesus. So if you plant your life here and you're a parent and you have a child that has just been born all the way up through high school, turn to the Simon page. And this is what you can expect from this ministry. This has been hammered on by all of our ministries. It starts at preschool, which is the yellow. The green is children. The blue is middle school. The red is high school. There are four entities in each of those. There is God's part. There's a parent's part. There's a church's part. And there's a student part. And under those are the expectation for those lives at that point in each of those areas. The one thing we know is God never changes. He's going to do the work, right? The three that can change are this church, you, and your kid. And those expectations are laid out. You can read them. This is not rocket science. They're, they're laid out there for you. So if you got a preschooler, your job, bring that kid to church. 
Now, if you're bringing that kid to church once every four weeks, you'll get once every four week results, right? Right? Okay. So you have a responsibility. Then you have a responsibility to talk about God and pray with your child. You say, I don't know how to do that. That's why we have a preschool minister, a children's minister, a middle school minister, and a high school minister who will have resources for you. You look at them and go, tell me how to talk to my kid about God. Those will be available in the following weeks, okay? So then, then we get into the church's part. Man, we provide a safe place, create a fun environment, and tell kids about Jesus. So here's what I want you to see. You got a preschooler, your kids learn about Jesus before they know how to talk. This is not babysitting. Our guys are back there talking to babies about Jesus because it's that big a deal. Fourth thing, what do you expect from the kid? I love the preschooler one. Is it show up, right? Get here. Attend class regularly. Be a willing participant and be kind. I'm looking at this and I'm like, so Natalie, what are all the people with mean kids supposed to do? And she says to me, no, you don't get it. She goes, it's really difficult when the kids aren't kind to each other. We need them to be kind. And I, I do. I understand that because I've been there and I've done it. Each one of these has those four responsibilities. If you are a parent, look right at me. This is gold. If you're looking for a church, this is gold. This helps you walk with your child into spiritual maturity. Walk out of here today with it, right? We're doing our best so that we live without excuse. Here it is. The big question in the life of our kids, by the way, and I'm moving through this kind of fast, but a partnership is only as good as each individual partner in it. You don't uphold your end, this all falls apart. God's going to uphold his end. The question is, is the church, are you, and you're listed before the church for a reason because it's your kid. It's your kid. So you uphold your end, the church upholds its end, and the kid upholds its end, and it breaks down anywhere, this all falls apart. Your kid gets to seventh grade and looks at you and says, I don't want to go to church anymore. You go, that's okay, Jimmy. Falls apart. Falls apart. Understand, give me a head nod. About three of you understand. <laughs> so the biggest question in this is, is me. Because the biggest influence of spiritual things in the life of your child is you. It's you. You have the biggest impact by the life you live, negatively and positively. And so the question becomes, how do I mature spiritually? If that's impacting the life of my kids, then I want you to turn this over to what uh, Matthew calls the pickle tray. Shades of green. So the Bible talks about spiritual maturity, right? Trying to tie all this together. It uses biological pictures. Spiritual birth, right? Because every life starts somewhere. Spiritual birth, infancy, childhood, young adulthood, mature adulthood. Every one of them are mentioned in Scripture frequently. And so we look at those, and we look at the markers of those, and we figure out our path to pursue maturity. So every, every spiritual life begins with a new birth. If you're here and you're going, man, none of this makes any sense to me, or I've never had a desire for God's Word. All I've ever done is attend church. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you've never had that moment. By the way, that's not a condemnation. That's an evaluation. I'm looking at my life and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Why isn't church making a difference for me? Because church will never make a difference for you. God will. 
and a relationship with him will. And so it starts with spiritual birth. And today, man, you can, have, you can ask that question. Walk up, grab one of our ministers, say, I want, to spend, I want to begin my journey with God today. But as soon as we're born, we become a spiritual infant. And the Bible tells us this, 1 Corinthians 3, 1, I already talked to you about that. I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, because you are infants in Christ. 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that it, by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. So what do we know about babies? Well, we know they're not capable of the same thing an adult's capable of. Why expect it? Why look at them and have expectation of spiritually mature people in the life of a spiritual infant? They can't do it. And so we have to rightly evaluate them. The second thing is we celebrate small victories, right? I didn't get out of bed this morning to my wife going, take that step. You can do it, Ricky. You can do it. Take another step. You're going to make it. The shower's just a few more feet away. You can do it. Didn't happen. But my grandbabies will come over to the house and everybody in our house will be on the floor going, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Take a step. Take a step. You can do it. Get up. You can do it. Why? You celebrate small victories in the life of a baby. Spiritual infants, we celebrate small victories because here's the truth. In many ways, they will live like they don't know God. They make messes, right? That's what babies do. They make a lot of messes and nobody gets mad at them because it's expected when you're an infant. The problem is, if you've been walking with Jesus 15 years and you're still making spiritual messes, you didn't grow. You're still living as an infant. So what does this look like? There are three entities in every level of spiritual maturity. They're going to come up here on the screen behind me. There's God's part. There's a church's part. And there's the individual's part. So what does God do? You're going to find that God's role doesn't change a lot through this. We believe Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And we believe that's true because he gave life, he grows life. Are you with me? That it doesn't grow unless he's growing it. So he does that. And the church's part, it changes some, but not very much. We're going to love you. We're going to care for you. We're going to teach you the truth in understandable ways. If you show up here and can't understand what we're talking about, it's not doing you any good. You just wasted your time. Show up anywhere. And you're like, I don't understand their language. I don't understand what they're talking about. It's not helping you grow spiritually. And then we model the Christian life because we learn about Jesus in order to live like Jesus. This is what it looks like. So what do you do? So here you are, if you, if you just met Jesus, right? If you just met him, what are the three expectations in your life? Number one, show up. Show up. For what? For everything you can show up for. If there's a quilting class, show up for it, right? Just be there. Why? Because it matters who you're around, which is, this, it, it matters the group of people that you fellowship with. They influence your life. Secondly, have a willingness to connect with other followers. So we become like the people we're around. We've told our kids this their entire life. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Why don't we think that applies to us? Right, I'm going to follow Jesus, but six of the seven days, I'm going to hang around with people, laugh at the jokes they tell, and act like people who have nothing to do with Jesus, and I wonder why I'm not growing. Connect with people who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, and their lives rub off on our lives. Thirdly, a willingness to be held accountable. We have to have a willingness for people to look at our lives and ask us the hard questions. You spend time in God's Word today? Right? The, the, the greatest liars in all the world go to church. They do. Because we've set up this like, perfect life everybody's supposed to be living. You got to ask people about, how's your marriage? Oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. What? 
the leading group of divorces in all of America come from? Evangelical church. Somebody's lying. So when are we going to get to the point where we can go, listen, let me talk about it. When are we going to talk about porn? Right, when, are we going to, when can we quit lying? We're going to talk about addiction and alcoholism and just general struggle in life to where we can look at each other and go, I love Jesus so much, I'm ready to deal with this. I'm serious. So a willingness to be held accountable in our lives. Number two is a spiritual child. Galatians 4, 3, while we were children, we were held in bondage to the elemental things of the world. Ephesians 4, 3, 4, Ephesians 3, 14, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Spiritual infants who mature will grow into spiritual children. When you reach spiritual childhood, what does that look like? God's role, pretty much the same. He who began that good work will complete it. Uh, as a body, what does the church do? Well, we're an example of following Jesus. We teach the truth in understandable ways. We keep loving you, keep encouraging you, right? You're going to make mistakes. Listen, if you show up here and you've made a mistake and somebody pins your ears and treats you ugly, come tell me. Come tell me. Because here's the deal. I need to love you when you make a mistake because I'm going to need to be loved when I make a mistake. Right? And so, man, no, we, we understand right and wrong, and we have the right to look at you and go, man, you dropped the ball, but I love you. And because I love you, we're going to start again. Always going to be loved. And then the three things that are required of a spiritual child here, and remember this, if it doesn't change you, I challenge you, it will not change you. So here it is. Spiritual maturity looks like being fully engaged with the church, not sitting on a pew. I show up and I'm there. No. We're moving into engagement. We're moving into a relationship with people. It looks like spending time daily in God's Word. We prefer that be the Bible reading plan so that we're all reading together. It is vitally, vitally, vitally important that you spend time daily in God's Word. Here's why. I'm a man. Until I die, this is going to be my battleground. The things I did before I met Jesus, the things I looked at, the things I participated in, they burned into my brain. And the scripture says the only way to renew your mind is through God's word. And so we pull God's word into our mind because we will lose the battle for our minds if we don't. So if you're not in God's word, you lost. She said, well, I come to church, I go to connect group, but I don't read my Bible every day. Well, you know where you are. Right? This is not a la carte. Yeah, I'll take three from maturity, uh, one from childhood, and one from infancy. That's, that's my life. That's where I want to be. It's not a la carte. We progress through the stages. That is the equivalent of your seven-year-old looking at you and saying, I want to get married. And you're looking back at him and go, you ain't ready. You don't have the maturity. That's all this is. Right? And you, you, your seven-year-old can't go, I think I'll drive your car today. This is not a la carte. Why do we think it is spiritually? The, yeah, well, we'll go on. <laughs> Number three, begin practicing stewardship. I didn't like this one because we never talk about money here. It's one of the things that kind of characterizes us. But my struggle with that is Jesus talked a lot about it. A lot. Eleven of 39 parables mention money. Jesus mentioned money more than he mentioned faith, more than he mentioned prayer. Are you, are you starting to get a picture that we need to be asking the question, why did Jesus talk so much about it and we talk so little? 
And why did he talk so much about it? Here, here it is. It's a barometer. It's a thermometer. It shows you where you are. It doesn't make you anything. It reveals what you already are. Right? And so you go, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm doing everything on this list, but I don't give. You know where you are. Because these build. They build, and I'll show you why they build and how that looks in just a moment. So, so the challenge is, uh, and I haven't done this, but he told me, so I got a raise this year. I got a raise. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, about two weeks ago, I called Vic in my office. I said, hey, I uh, can't figure this giving thing out on our online thing. I need to up what I'm giving because I got a raise. Right? Because I want, I want the markers of my life to line up with maturity. Maybe you need to look at yours. This never ends. Right? It just keeps on going. We move from spiritual childhood. By the way, I was going to say this. I've never done a spiritual thing in my life that there wasn't a voice whispering to me, you're going to hate this. <laughs> I, it's just the God's honest truth. We started this journaling thing. And, and in my mind, I'm 60 years old. I've never journaled. Why start now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like writing things about my life down. That somebody can pick it up and read it either. Mm -mm. So that voice is going, you're going to hate it. It's going to be misery. You're going to hate it. It's going to be misery. You're going to hate it. Just don't do it. Lie. Lie. Who's going to question the senior pastor? A whole bunch of people, by the way, just to let you know. <laughs> so I start doing it. I start doing it. And now it's like I can't imagine what life would be like not doing it. Right? Giving, if you're sitting out there, you're getting that voice right now. Don't do it. It will be no fun. You could buy so many things. If you... I had to recognize the source of the voice. Right? Who, who doesn't want me in God's word and journaling what I've gotten? Who doesn't want me giving? And once you recognize the source of that voice... Respond accordingly. Spiritual young adulthood. Uh, I love this, uh, and I have not a lot of time, so here we go. Uh, Hebrews 5, 12 through, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Listen to this. There is time. Time is the measurement of opportunity. This is what the writer of Hebrews said. Time has passed and you have not grown. Time is the measurement of opportunity. You missed your opportunity. For the expectation of God. What is the expectation of God? Growth. Opportunity is time. Expectation is growth. And I had a lady who walked down the aisle last service at 60 years old. And she said, I've wasted most of my life. Because I didn't do any of this. I just came to church. I just came to church. Time is your opportunity. And it's a one-time opportunity. The expectation of God is that we would be growing. It's not an unreasonable expectation if we have experienced spiritual birth. 
So this young adult stage is the stage of discovery that God keeps doing what he's doing. The church, it shifts just a little bit because if you're going to discover, we got to walk with you through that. That looks like helping you discover your spiritual gifts, helping you discover where you plug in here, where, you're, where you fit, right? So here's what life looks like for most people. This is the thing that drove me crazy before I went into the ministry. I could not comprehend spending my life hitting a clock for 40 hours a week. Then I'm going to get to the end of it and all I'm going to have to show is what's in my bank account. And then my kids are going to take what I've left them in the bank account and go have a party with it. That is how it works. Right? The Bible tells us that, Psalm 39. You're going to give it to people who don't care. So I began to evaluate my life and I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand that, that life came down to, to hitting a clock. Listen, you were created for more than a job. You were created for a relationship with God, a relationship with other people, and having a role in God's redemptive work to, in people's lives. And once you discover that, life changes. It's like, man, I'm getting up and I'm going to work because I'm on mission with God to redeem this world. I know why I'm alive. And all of a sudden, life looks different anymore. That's spiritual young adulthood. We walk with you, help you discover that, and help you get plugged into a role in God's kingdom. Then we go to spiritual maturity. Spiritual mature adult, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. I became a man. I put away childish things. I became a man, spiritually speaking. And that is the final stage uh, of growth. And, th and this is where we begin to understand our role in helping people grow in their relationship with Christ and reaching people with the message of Jesus. And here's reality. Look right here at me. Again, not condemnation, evaluation. Most people in their spiritual walk will never in their life sit down with somebody, share their faith, and walk with them to spiritual maturity. Why is that? Watch this. Not for lack of classes. Not for lack of education. It's this. We did not progress through these in such a way as to build on a solid foundation. And so when we got the education, we failed here because we didn't have the life to back up the message. And so we fall apart. And it's such a bad experience. We go, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. No, we progress through spiritual growth to get to the place where we're pouring into people's lives and we're developing them and we're reaching them. So... Every stage of life has some positives, right? You look at biological life. You got your 12-year-old kid, and they can't wait to drive, right? How soon can I get my learner's permit? I get a car, my life's going to be great, right? Then they get a car, and it's like, I can't wait to get out of this place. When do I go to college? Next stage of life. It's always looking good, right? Next, go to college. When can I get married? Get married, you know, get a job. Get a job. When can I retire? It's that next stage of life thing. Everybody looking at it. The absolute best stage of life, and all of them got good things, is when you get to the stage where you get to reproduce. Okay, now you're sitting there and you're going, is he saying what I think he's saying <laughs> at church? I am. That like one of the funnest parts of life is for a mature adult is reproduction. I'm going to tell you, if you've never sat with somebody you loved... And looked at them and shared Jesus with them and watched them respond. You have missed out on some of the greatest things and moments of life. And walked with them and watched God put a marriage back together. Walked with them and watched God set an alcoholic free. Until you've done those things you haven't lived. <laughs> 
and that spiritual maturity. That's what it looks like. I close with this. If it doesn't challenge you, it will not change you. And so what I'm calling you to is just to look at your life. Right? Nobody's going to call you up at home and go, hey, where are you? <laughs> Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Look at your life and ask some really easy questions. Go through that list and go, man, I might have thought I was over here, but in reality, I'm over here. Look at it for your kids. Sit down with your kids and figure out where your kids are, man. Because once they're gone, the opportunity to do that, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Where am I? And where am I taking my family? Because my family won't go any further than I've gone. Would you bow your heads with me? As you're looking at your life, evaluating your life, uh, maybe God would say to you, you know, you've never had that moment of spiritual birth, and I believe in a big God who will reach down and touch you and say things like that to you right now. You never had that moment where you became spiritually alive, and that's why you've struggled understanding this, struggled implementing it. Maybe that moment is now for you. And man, our ministers are going to be here at the front. You come grab one of them and say, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready to start. Maybe this scares you, right? I understand. I've been real honest about my life. Every spiritual step I've ever taken, there's been a voice in my head saying, don't take it. Don't do it. Maybe that's you and you just want to, you, you don't want to hear that anymore. Because you're serious about Jesus. Maybe you're a mom and dad and you want to pray for your family because you realize time is ticking and time equals opportunity. Time equals opportunity. I don't know what God would say to you. But I know this is our moment to respond to him. I'm going to pray. Matthew's going to lead us. And uh, this is your chance to respond. Father, thank you so much for how you've loved and moved and the work you're doing in the lives of this people of this church and People are getting saved. I'm so thankful. And people are getting set free. And I'm thankful. And God, we're getting closer together. And I'm thankful for that. You're just a good God to us. God, do your work now. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.